This is Jane Hardwick-Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. Welcome to episode 13 of the Womancraft podcast and we join you here in this what is now the Libra full moon and really feeling into episode 12 as well I just want to kind of give a shout out to Judy and the Mid-North Coast Four Seasons journey that is happening in May in Australia and if you haven't had a listen please go back to episode 12 and bask in Judy's wisdom. So episode 13 we're joined with Brittany Jane and we welcome ourselves to the world of somatic ecology and dance and this episode is a real journey into the work that she did with the school last year in the Four Seasons journey and how it really opened up her way into her current offerings and we explore how connecting with our inner world serves and how important tuning into our inner wisdom is in reclaiming and remembering our power. So enjoy this podcast. Hi Brittany, welcome to the Womancraft podcast. Um, absolute pleasure to have your uh, your vibrancy here. It's your fourth year anniversary with your partner. So we were just talking before how you're out picking berries and went for a beautiful walk. So loving that and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me and for having me. It feels so lovely to be able to return some of the gifts that I've received from my time within the school and to be with you and share um, a little bit about my journey and um, see the overlaps potentially in your journey as many women I've talked to um, have this deep sense of um, this power returning to them or this vibrancy or this, you know, their understanding of their path coming through their journey with the school. So I'm really happy to chat and, uh, yeah, be part of the community in this way if I can. Beautiful. Beautifully said too. And uh, you uh, surround yourself around the earth body movement. So that's your offerings, which we'll talk about later. Um, I'm just looking on your website now. Like your pictures are just stunning. Do you do them yourself or have you been gifted with an awesome photographer person I have been gifted with an incredible friend who's a photographer her name is B Myers um, her Instagram is B shot this with a B E A and uh, she does a lot of self-love shoots and but 
I caught up with B when the seed of my business was actually hadn't even kind of sprouted yet and I, I had this vision for what I wanted to create and I remember B actually was so good with me through the whole process because you know as, as a designer does and she was helping me with even branding and color schemes and she was asking me about all oh, the color theme and the and the, the words and and I could see the image, I can see what I wanted to create it, but it was very hard to encapsulate that in words because obviously I'm a mover. And so I said, oh, you've just got to feel it and see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was so grateful for how um, B was able to capture um, the rawness and the vulnerability and the realness and the earthiness and groundedness in a lot of the photos that um, I use for a lot of the social media and, and the website and it's beautiful to hear how that's been received by a lot of the women because um, I was, one thing I was really passionate about was being raw and real and authentic in, in expression. It's not like a – and there's nothing wrong with posing for the camera, but I was like, I want the dirt on the face and I want the actual in – the, in the emotion and it's it's about the authentic expression to me and, and that's really what comes off you know, when I get a lot of feedback from women who are drawn to my work, they say, I want, I want that. I want to feel connected to that wild part of myself that um, knows that their condition, that knows that their belonging is unconditional. And so it gives them permission to express themselves as however they wish, because there's no risk that they might be, you know, kicked out of the tribe or, or whatever, because they can um, know that they're connected always, that they know that they're always belonging to the earth and they can connect to that through their expression yeah beautifully said and that yeah that sort of connection to the mother and um really organically finding your way to be present with the grounding and the lifting and everything that's associated with that and um yeah it's just yeah you know I'm looking at it now and everything is just really quite earthy and beautiful and I will link the website we'll talk about this later in the I will link the website in the show notes and we will talk about this later too, especially that connection to our wild self um, and how we can go about that and the work that you do. Uh, And I guess let's bring ourselves back to last year when you journeyed with the school and how you felt your calling into that. What, What was the story around you coming into this work with the School of Shamanic Womancraft and... The story that for coming into the School of Shamanic Womancraft really had started almost an entire year before I actually came and participated in the school. And I think it was about two or three years ago it would have been that I was working overseas. I to little give a bit of context to that even. Um, as a young as a young woman, um, as a teen, I was a professional dancer, had a big trauma in my life left dance, always thinking I'd return, went overseas, um, which catapulted this career into environmental work, was teaching permaculture around the world. And as many people who are deeply involved in environmental work find, is that I hit this massive wall of grief. And I also had a really um, big kind of wake-up call, recognising that those years of trauma that I ended up leaving dance because of, although at the time it was probably a lot more subconscious than conscious decision about that, that I'd had been trying to fix the external environment without actually looking within and healing that internal environment. And 
I was hit by this wall of grief that was just similarly uh, really a reflection of that the outer world reflecting the inner world and so at that point I decided to come home I had this big calling of you need to go back to Australia and um, it, the way I describe it is this massive cry of the soul or that when I uh, met the dark goddess which I'll maybe go into a bit later during my year long with the school um, I met the dark goddess in one of my drum journeys and so I recognize her in that moment now those years ago which made no sense it was like that collapse on the floor co complete surrender I don't know what the hell's going on but all I knew is I had these dreams of dancing and this deep longing for more magic more connection in my life um, and I knew that as a mover that when I arrived back in Australia um, that's the only thing I knew to do <laughs> and so I started dancing again and through dancing and connecting with my bodily self I connected with a group of women and they invited me down to among other things um, and they invited me down to Seven Sisters Festival down in Victoria and it was the first time I'd ever been to this festival and I remember down there I think I bumped into I went to a workshop with Nim um, Nim Fox who runs the Four Seasons Journey in Victoria and Nim is an incredible ecologist, um, sacred or deep or shamanic ecologist. And I remember this deep feeling of being home, like somebody was speaking my language of what I was feeling and experiencing. And it was, it was a magnetism. It was a, it was an inner knowing that this was something that I had to do or was drawn towards. But I'm pretty sure at that point, the year had already started. And so I started looking ahead at the future for the next um, course that would come up for the next year-long program. And as I was moving up to Byron, I decided to do the one here in Mullumbimby with Jane. So I had one session which I had to fly up for, but the rest were all based. And I literally happened to be around the corner, which is just kind of cosmic how all that worked out. Mm -hmm. But uh, And then so I did the year. And that's how I really came to the school. But I... Um, looking back on that whole journey, even back to when I was a child, to the to my journey as from dancer through trauma through environmental work, and then merging these two worlds of what I, what ended up being dance and, and nature connection, which is so much of my work now, rather than having to choose between, um, and weaving in the magic, weaving in the deep connection to to spirit, to the feminine, to the goddess. Um, that I learnt through my year, I see the whole journey of it all. Like I don't see my um, my entering into the school or my participation into the school as a as a coincidence, <laughs> and, and that I was at that particular place at that particular time, which is just really how life unfolds if we are aware or if we're present to it. Mm, it's quite a common thing I hear, especially since doing these podcasts of. Um, people reflecting on the journey that's already began before they even step foot into the first gathering mm. with the school and like reflecting on it afterwards just feeling that that real divine connection that everything's playing out and you know our paths are opening up and when we arrive uh know that you know that sort of inner knowing or that inner calling that we're there and we're present and um 
looking back on it going yeah I was meant to be there yeah. like it was it's it's lovely to know that it's all orchestrated around us but we're we're rolling up and feeling that call and that connection yeah absolutely and now it's hard to even imagine my life I'm like how did I even survive without this stuff <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a it's a belonging isn't it it's like a homecoming it is almost. it's, it's a, more, yeah it's a massive home I think the biggest thing for me is was that there's a whole tribe of women who like feel this because um I had I had the big downloads of this the work that I was meant to be doing in the world before I actually entered the school but I ha- would have um I had no idea of the level of support that was possible, both both from that physical tribe, from that connection to sisterhood, but also from my own connection and support from my guides who I don't have to go and pay some money or I don't have to seek counsel outside of myself. I can connect with them and they always have my back. They're always supporting my trajectory towards my highest good, the fact that I have that. Um, And then I also had just this, you know, cheering on from everybody, from the whole community. Um, And, yeah, it just catapulted everything, I suppose. And I don't think I would have the guts that I would have now hadn't I done the journey. Um, It really, you know, in revealing my gifts to the world, in revealing how I cope with things, in revealing my birth story, it has supported the creation of this body of work. And I don't really call it my business because it feels like, as, as the school has told me or taught me, I should say, and as I received from my um, wilderness solo, this is my soul work. And I, I can't even begin to express how grateful I am for the journey because I think it was all part, like I had to, I, had, I feel like I had to do the school in order to actually do this thing. <laughs> like, that's what, I, and then it's big time. This is, you know, I think about, I almost imagine when we, when we step onto our soul path and we create, you know, our gift to the world or our offering, maybe that's in the birthing of the children that we have or the, or the sacred enterprise that we offer or whatever it might be, just the care that we offer others. I feel like everything up until this point my that gift that gift to the world that soul offering has almost like taken me through the school in order to prepare myself to to offer it I don't know if that makes sense it's it's like it's an entity of itself and it's my work my and work I mean the deeper sense of work to actually support that entity in coming into being and it's, it's kind of like schooled me. It's taken me like, All right, we're going over here now. We're going over here and you've got to do this because, and that's why I don't just call it a business because it feels so different to me than just a business. And, you know, it's, it's why I don't mind spending, you know, way more hours at a computer than I would ever, ever normally yeah. do as someone who's like a nature addict. Um, because it's so much more than that. It's, everything in my life feels like it's worked towards this because it's mm. the work of my soul. And yeah, so the, the school has supported me in that. And I feel like it's, it's been a massive, I wouldn't just say a step. It's been a massive step in, in helping me birth that. Mm. Yeah. I just really loved listening to that. I, I feel, you know, like you were saying that you, 
really went into that internal world and loved that space um, before launching this, you know, not business, like your life, you know, your soul calling, your your soul work, your, your spirit work, your earth work, all of that work. And like you said before, when you said about the guts, you know, wouldn't have had the guts, it's like the the school just calling in that opportunity to look at everything from within before like coming without and like birth stories and creation and all the things that are so oppressed as women especially um, in the way that we live now, that real safe nurturing chance to just look at all those things so then we can look at it from the inward space um, of doing the work, of doing the work on our guts because then we can start to be more intuitive and go, hmm, where's that coming from? Like what's that feeling coming from? Oh, yeah, that's that. Um, and look at things more curiously as instead of going into like you know, our triggers and our huge emotional escapes with everything. It's just coming into that real inward space um, and then offering uh, offerings from that space and I, I really connect with what you said then because I feel that having that journey with the school brings that brings that space and it nurtures that and it and it lets us explore it safely and um, with other people and the guides like when you spoke about the guides you know really connecting with what is within us which is so much as opposed to and I um you like known for doing that myself you go okay I'll go see this person I'll go see this person consult with this person consult, consult, consult. and you're just sort of flowing through all of this stuff and really missing out what's actually like screaming at you from within if that makes sense absolutely and I feel mm. like I probably would have thrown in the towel so a couple of times if it wasn't mm. if it wasn't for um really knowing thyself you know and when you know understanding the way that I birth through my birth story and a big mm. a big part of my birth story was when um, which we explored in my journey was when when my my mother was giving birth to me um she had the epidural but just all the pain the pain medication and it didn't work but it made one t- entire leg go completely numb And so it was, even though she tried to suppress the pain, it was, there was no way around it. You had to go through it. And so there's been many moments where I've felt that, that kind of pain, that big crunch of like, oh, this is so like, oh, this is, you know, being a pioneer in the world often isn't, isn't all glamorous and, you know, you get the big statue of yourself. It's actually hard work. Like you have to, you know, look deep within all your stuff, basically, and there would have been moments had I not known that, oh, you know what, the fact that I'm in this pain um, as just as my birth was because when I was born, the entire room was covered in roses. Um, my dad had bought, you know, hundreds of roses. And so literally if I, can, <laughs> if I can look directly and go through the pain and surrender to that process, it is quite literally rosy on the other side. And it had, so there's been moments like that for sure in my birth, in the birthing of this business, in the birthing of this work, just in my life. And it's helped me have so much more compassion for myself by knowing all of the ways, you know, that I do the things, the why I do the things the way that I do, according to my rites of passage in my life and according to, you know, certain triggers or things that were influential to me as a child. 
And rather than getting so down on myself, I can actually call in my, you know, inner maga or my crone, uh, which I've done quite a lot to help me cultivate some more compassion for myself because that was something that I've, I suppose, cried for and longed for and still do in some in some respect in the physical. But I, um, and this, this came up on my journey, is that I think it was so influential to me having this, this community around us because I longed for that, um, that, that tribe. And what I mean by that is particularly in relation to that mentorship that when we operate as a tribe, as, as humans have already done, we're wired for connection quite literally, so we're wired for community. There was never a sense of having to charter the path alone. There was always someone who was older than you, might be a maga or a crone for a young young person, and they would understand and, and watch you and deeply listen and understand and say, oh, you know, pick you up as you've had these particular skills in your life or you make a really good hunter or you make a really good medicine person, and they train you up. And when you experience these things like, oh, my gosh, so, you know, what's going on, they can help provide a bit of grounding for you in that. And so there's been moments where obviously like where I've been able to have that in the physical by being part of this community, but even recognising that I have the capacity to connect with my own marga and my own crone and that they can offer me counsel and I can almost have a tribe within me and that's that again, not having to seek um, answers anywhere else as opposed to um, just tuning into my own inner wisdom, my, that womb wisdom or, or connecting with my guides or my crone. And um, that is like priceless stuff. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't beat that. You can't. You, you just can't. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we live in a society where it's like um, we're so um, – we're so resistant to any pain or any struggle or anything. And so it's, and it's, you know, that's, again, not having, not being too hard on myself because that's the cultural conditioning that I've been up with. So if I feel that craving for myself, then it's okay. Um, but mm. we're so used to, oh, this doesn't feel good. Like, give me something and, and, and outside of yourself. And to be able to tune in and be like, A, okay, has this, you know, what, what pattern does this recognize? What, uh, where has this shown up in my life before? <laughs> so, you know, mm. is this a pattern that's just repeating itself according to my triggers or my conditioning or whatever? But also, wait a second, stop right there. Is this is this real? And can I can I seek counsel within myself to actually help track? You know, get me back on the track towards my highest good, as opposed to letting, you know, the other voices in your head that aren't really as supportive. <laughs> Take yes. take the lead. Yes, our ego story. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to control it yeah. and make it a big story. <laughs> and, and even even that, even that is, you know, having compassion for that voice and being like, you know, you that voice probably stems from your seven or under year old self, of mm. that it's it's really just trying to protect you. So I can even when that voice chimes in, I'm like, oh shit, I must be getting close to this particular. You know, I must be getting bloody close to bursting through this barrier that's been there for my whole life because otherwise mm. why would there be such a flare-up um, in my ego self? Like when it came to, you know, presenting and doing this workout into the world, 
And I, I realized I had this massive fear of lives. And I'm like, what's the big deal? Or like, what if I, you know, stuff up in saying something? Why is that such a big deal? And, um, and you know, I've done so many other things in my life, but by my, my ego self, that little voice particularly stepped forward and was very loud and clear at the thought of doing live videos on social media. And I was able to go, like, well, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here with the tools that I gained from the school? And be like, oh, okay, then. It's because I have a deep wounding about not being lovable about being innately broken and not being lovable. And so being out there in the world that is in a way that's un very unfiltered puts me at risk, puts that little seven-year-old or under self at risk from, you know, being open to not being loved. And therefore, you know, all my fears and beliefs would be confirmed. That's definitely you unlovable, go back into your cave and never come out type situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... Mm -hmm. Um, when I was able to recognize that and I was like, oh, okay, again, call on my call on my inner maga or my crone and be like, you know what, that's not going to happen and it's okay and I've got you and go outside, put your feet on the earth, remember that your belonging is absolutely unconditional, you are, a kin, you, are you have kin in the earth, you are connected to the greater ecology, there's no way that you could ever be kicked out of the tribe because you are the tribe, like it's just in your veins. And so that's, yeah, that's just a, a gift that, man, I wish everybody in the world could receive, not just women, but to have that sense of inner power returned as opposed to having to look out or feeling like um, you have to, you know, go along a certain code of conditioning or a code of behaviour to be accepted um, and be ruled by that little voice all the time. And I know what that feels like too. It's shithouse. So... I hope I'm allowed to swear, but <laughs> you just did, so you're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Let her out. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like, it's like stuff the conditioning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, the permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so, yeah, I know what that feels like. And whilst I had this inkling and and this and this knowing that that was within me, I think the my journey with the school particularly helped me connect with and almost like affirmed I would say it was an affirming experience of yes yes that is true yes that is right yes what you feel is is valid and it's what you know humans have been able to do or how we're designed to live in the first place we just we've just forgot it we've been in this giant slumber yeah, and this, this, I mean, all of this is such big work and it's such a journey too. It's not like, oh, that's sorted, I um, can put that aside now. It's like this sort of work, the exploration, the self-inquiry, it's, it's, it's not like a seasonal thing, it's a lifetime thing and we're always going to have stuff coming up no matter where we are and, um, you know, we're cyclic. And that's, I think, that understanding of the being of cyclic and um, knowing that we shift through the phases and we move and we gather and we release and let go. And, um, you know, like you were saying about the processes before, it can only take five minutes. You know, you could go from this heightened, like, into grounding, tuning in, what's going on, where's that come from? Uh huh, I hear you. That could be like five minutes and you could have like really felt and shifted that or 
maybe not shifted it. You might need to hold on to it for something else because it might be something else coming up, but you can give yourself the space to like tune into that later, um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that gift, I guess, from coming through the school is like really tuning in with how, uh, how we are or like, you know, we even sit in circle in different phases and how we can all sit together and all be in different phases of where we are, how we feel, what's coming up, but still come together in that space and then take that um, and just practice that like daily. It's a daily thing for me and I, I know a lot of people, it's just it's a daily thing. It's always stuff coming up, tuning in, um, but it's so important. Like I don't think I would know without doing that in my daily life of like tuning in and being curious of, you know, how I used to run in my head and, well, that was it, I was running my head, but, you know, running with our whole bodies and I, I, you would probably deeply understand that being a somatic ecologist of the body is like when we're so tuned into that whole vessel and that whole being, how it can just radiate out into the world. It's like, oh, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's so life-affirming. Absolutely, and even the body. Obviously, the body is a, is part of our cyclic existence. But something that you shared there about it is a journey, and it's um it's understanding the wisdom of those cycles and flowing with that rather than being like, oh, you're in your high summer state, you know, peak ovulation, full moon energy, and then you know when then when you get back down to the bleeding and the vision and the stillness, you might be like, oh, I'm back at this you know void space or whatever, and and it's it's I don't know it, it takes the it takes the pressure off of having to be always high all the time and recognizing that when you come back down to that stillness and void place it's not because oh no I've just gone backwards it's oh I'm just about to enter another phase and this is closing off and it's a time to reflect and what I love about what you shared is you know it can feel like if you didn't have that wisdom that, oh, I'm just going backwards. But the um, working in embodiment has also taught me that the body or our bodily self, as one of my um, teachers says, because it, it, rather than, you know, treating our mind and our body or identity and our body as two separate things, like I am, I am a person and I own a body, it's like our bodily, our bodily self, which is why I'm, I'm training myself to, to speak that way more, more and more so. But um, our bodily self never uh, gives us more than we can handle at one time. There's a, there's a deep cellular wisdom about, you know, what needs to be released at this particular point or what needs to come up and, and be healed or be worked through or be celebrated or whatever at, at every particular moment. And it will never give more than, than you can handle. And so at one point, while it might feel like, oh, I've, you know, I've worked on this, I've discovered my sacred wound, I've healed it, and I'm, I'm all like elated. And then a year later, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm back to square one. Um, all this stuff has come up again, or, or this is the same pattern that's been, you know, coming up forever in my life, all through my rites of passage or whatever. It's never because you're going backwards. 
it's because a you've become you've actually become more aware of how the cycles work and so I, I don't know if anyone else has this and I'm sure that I'm sure that you do and everyone I've spoken to does is that when you become more aware of your own cycles and the cycles of the earth and your relationship to those you're actually even more affected by them because it's almost like your body the bodily self switches back on it's like oh yeah like now you're paying attention well here it is um but also when we come to those places it's because it's it's actually worth celebrating as opposed to getting down about because it's like oh great awesome now I get to get another the next layer of it and each layer peeling back and healing each layer revealing itself and healing is actually getting um deeper all the way to the to the core and so and it, and it has a less um, detrimental or less completely life-shattering impact every time because there's a there's an awareness of it and it's like oh I know what I'm developing the tools to be able to do this, and and my body isn't it so amazing that it um, only brings up what I can handle at one particular point, and you know I've had times in my life where you know with relationships with family members that I've noticed and that I've worked so hard on you know years of psychotherapy or whatever and then. I end up, you know, meeting with them in person and be like, oh, what the hell? I'm back to square one. All this stuff happens. And, it, and, it's, and it's not like that at all. It's because uh, I reached a particular point in my own journey with it all, in my healing journey, that the next piece came in that was ready to be healed, that was ready, ready to be revealed. And the wisdom of the cycles has helped me um, give thanks to that as opposed to, I suppose, you know, spiting it. It's kind of like looking at everything like a puppy dog, isn't it? You know, that really like what's going to happen next? What does happen next? Yeah. So it feels like that when you take on that vibration of like the dog and like, like looking at you like, right, what's next? You know, And it, it's, it's just such, like you said before, and I really resonate with that. It's such a nice feeling. And take the seasons, for example. I just love now, like at the moment I'm walking around, I can see the decay and the leaves on the tree and I'm like, letting go and then I start to feel like my leaves are letting go and really embracing that moment and using that my environment to start the letting go process um and really embracing what's next to come through that you know we'll head into autumn and then we head into winter and um just really coming into it you know front on and curious and excited um and present as opposed to being like, oh, I don't want summer to end. I want to hold on to this. I want it to be warm every day. I can't end. You know, just really using what we've got and embracing that to be that excited puppy to come into each cycle because it just works that way. It does. so much easier to approach life and things and our cyclic nature like this. Because the more holding on we do, um, and again, you probably know this with your work, it's the more our cellular self just, it just tenses and it never can flow. Like, you know, your body just can't shift and move. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't, like, there's so many different ways we can all describe this in each of our own personal experiences, but I just can't, uh, the feeling that you get when you embrace it is so, I'll say that word again, life-affirming, mm. that anything else um, 
yeah, it's... <laughs> This, this is it. Yeah, I know. It does feel like that. It's like, <laughs> I've got the whole, I've got the freaking key to it all. Like, that's what it feels like sometimes. And yeah, um, and for yeah. me, like as you were saying, this whole, like, this um, letting go of the resistance and letting it, letting it flow, for me, a big part of that and a big part of my journey and what's informed so much of my work that I'm doing now is welcoming death as part of the cycle. And not mm. as this thing to be avoided, this thing to be dreaded. Um, it's actually an essential part of the process. And when those feelings of death and like it's all that quiet stillness or things fall apart or whatever it is, whatever that death looks like for you, and I'm sh- and you'll know it when you're in it um, because you'll have that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to be here, uh, to actually surrender to that and recognise, ah, the rebirth is upon me. The rebirth is upon me if I can let go, if I can actually allow this death process to happen. And that was probably one of the biggest, biggest, uh, I suppose, take-homes of, of probably many biggest take-homes of my journey was, yeah, that, de- that death process because for me my power animal that I connected with was the snake and all about shedding the skin. And I literally on one of our, one of our, I think it was a dark moon gathering, which is all about that part of that cycle. Um, the dark moon, the, um, the bleeding time, the midnight energy, the winter on that journey, we did a journey to um, meet our dark goddess or meet our inner, um, that inner part of our cycle, that sorry, that inner energy that's part of that cycle. And for me, that was represented by the dark goddess. And she said, you have to shave your head. Um, you have to let, literally let that, the physical representation of that old you die before you can step into the person that you need to be, that you are, that your soul is calling you to be. And let me tell you now, I was not the type of person that ever considered shaving their head. Um, it was just not something that crossed my mind. If I had probably seen other people walking down the road, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, or that, but in my, I'd probably be whispering under my breath, like, why would they ever do such a thing? <laughs> 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 and, um, and it was so much, I had no idea until it actually happened because, yes, I did shave my head. Um, I had no idea how much my identity how much resistance I really had to death. I really, um, I had to that whole part of this essential part of the transformation process that um, was so freeing when I surrendered to. I had no idea until that moment um, what it could be like on the other side. And so as I got this message, I was so distraught. I was like, what? And when we came together for the next, for our next journey together, for our next weekend, our next gathering, um, I was around a, a circle of women. I was around the fire, um, just as the dark goddess had showed me. And I got the clippers out and I shaved my head. And it was this incredible, actually, kind of Joan of Arc moment where I had to chop off my hair roughly with scissors with no mirror. And um, it was yeah, all the women were drumming around me and I threw my hair on the fire. And it was this, it was allowing this death, this death of the old me, all of the, all of the DNA codes even 
all of the trauma that was still wrapped up in my hair because I'd never cut my hair before and allowing that to literally burn in the flames like what a what a more you know potent physical representation of, of that death and, and transmutation it was never going back to that the form that it once was and the rebirth that has come out of that is I can't even I can't even begin to describe that's helped me birth this business that's helped me connect with the elders that I'm working up with in the Kimberleys now um, that's brought into light the women that I'm working with in other forms of my days and yeah I just that wisdom of the cycle and that embracing of death and connecting with snake as my power animal who is you know embraces death every time they have to shed their skin has just been as you said life affirming it's been like I've got the keys to the kingdom type situation and who knew it all it all it all can come about just by dying which sounds sounds so interesting and crazy and weird given the cultural culture predominant culture that we grow up in but it was never I don't know it was never it was it was always seen as a life affirming process it was always welcomed in cultures that lived in close proximity to the earth or or had deep spiritual relationships with the earth because anyone that can grow is out in the friggin' bushwalk or, or grows a garden knows that you must have death to have life you there is you know there's this a, a plant has to go to seed for you in order to actually have us have those seeds for the next cycle and so yeah it allowed me to participate in that ecology within me as opposed to resisting my natural flow of life and when I was able to do that that's when the magic happens really truly truly you are listening to the school of shamanic womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players epic I love this so just feeling that cosmic alignment again with you know you rolling up and being able to be drummed into your shedding and um oh that's that's like that's amazing because you know not only have you sort of shared here which is so good to really like I mean we could fill in an hour on another podcast talking about death and identity and all of that stuff and the letting go process around that. Um, but what you've just shared really just highlights that, uh, like that safety that you had to do that and the women around you to guide you in that. And there's the fire right there. Of course the fire's mm. there, you know, like the perfect place to release and transmute and transform is fire and your hair. And oh, I just love that story. So <laughs> that, that's a really really beautiful thing because you like it is the the unknown identity that we hold on to and the shedding process is just hardly is a thing that's flowing in our world yeah in a lot of parts of our world or a given ritual or given attention to so so important and such another huge aspect of this work but also um, important to mention that the school, you know, having that journey and having that year 
or two years, if you did the eight seasons to explore things like this, it, it happens and you do, you will, you will let go and you will transmute and you will transform and you will rebirth and you will die and you will come back into a, into a sense of self that is completely different from what you felt. And it doesn't have to happen in extreme ways or anything what your story tells you. It just could be in the smallest ways possible or anything. But it, it just it, that this is it. This is part of being cyclic and this, again, is, is a part of life, is having that opportunity to shed and let go and release. Just as we are now in Australia in autumn, the, the trees are starting to decay and they're letting go without any... Yeah, and you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that you know all of it um, to all the people out there too is like it's not like come and do this journey and shave your head. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that was it. That was like a very unique part of my my journey, and and yeah. even I even yeah. look back now and I think, wow, I shaved my head because I received a, a message from a, a vision, um, and it's even so bizarre, but it felt so true, and. Mm. when I went through it and have you know, obviously still going through it because each month I look so differently um, when I look at myself in the mirror I'm basically a new person each month as my hair begins to grow back um, but I realized the in the months after and the months following that that death process was so vital for my healing and because mm. what it gave me is it kind of uh, took away any escape route that I might have taken when I was in those moments of actually having to look at my stuff really honestly and frankly and things that were really ready to be healed. So I'll use a, an example is that when I, um, when I shaved my head, I had, and I was, you know, walking around the streets, I had this really stark realisation of how much I relied on my, my own, on how much I relied um, or gauged my self-worth on what other people, how other people reacted to my appearance. And they didn't have that anymore. People, you know, didn't see my long blonde flowing hair anymore. And they didn't look at me like I was ugly, but they just didn't have the gaze as I had always known or had I had always received for many years. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how much I needed that for to actually help me love myself and it really you know that's it was challenging and confronting to realize how little I loved myself without the support of my appearance or that affirmation from other people external to me that was based on my appearance and I'm, I'm, I imagine that's often the same of a lot of women out there because of the you know the this culture that we are raised in um, and the way that women are portrayed in society as this kind of object for people to you know, Google at. And there's mm. just so many other ways. But when I was able to re realise that, you know, I wasn't going to be receiving that from outside of me and if I wanted it, I had to cultivate that within me. I don't think I ever could have done that had I not gone through the process of shaving my head. And that's what I mean by it's been so healing for me. Because, you know, to loop back and share what I was saying for um, when I talk to women on, you know, some of the calls that I have who are joining me in my, whether it be an online program or my retreat up in the Kimberleys, 
I constantly hear these people saying that, oh, I wish that I could, I wish that I could express myself like you do or like I see you online and you feel like, you know, you don't really give a shit what people think about you. Um, and I really want that for myself. I want to, you know, feel at home within myself. Like I actually have enough self-love and self-acceptance for myself that whatever happens on the outside doesn't matter. And I remember wanting that. And, the, and that is what this death process has given me because there was no, there was no other way out than having to accept myself and love myself when you look at the mirror and have a bald head. And I had, had, an, had I not have done that, I don't think my work would be as powerful as it is today because I'm very much like a, the type of person that has to actually go through something to be able to offer it. I don't think I could have um, even offered the work that I am today in the way that I'm offering it um, and connecting with the women who I am had I not gone through that process and being able to be like, yeah, I know, I get it. I can support you. I can show you how. You don't have to shave your head, <laughs> but but we can we can do it. And yeah, so that's why it's been. And that's just one example. That's just one example of the things that I had to kind of come to come to face right in the right, you know, right in the thick of it. And literally, there was nowhere else to turn. But just as my birth story, but to go through the pain and the gifts that I gained from that become my greatest offering for the world. Mm. Uh, really like, again, I resonate, resonate with everything <laughs> you said in this whole podcast, but um, exactly, you're an, you're an embodied practitioner and I guess if you're not embodying it yourself, how can you be it in that sense, you know, and it just, that's it. And it's it's going right back to the start of the show when we started talking about going inward and um, really exploring that space before you offer outward. And that's, like you said, it's another example of that and just a beautiful example. And, yes, we don't have to all go and shave our heads. That's not the key because we're all unique and we're mm. all individual in our way of shedding and letting go. And we can all be a collective in those beautiful stories. But what you're, what you're calling in is that was your unique part of it, and that was your unique shedding, amongst many others, I'm sure. But yeah, beautiful. And I would love to talk about just before we sort of head into your work, which I really want to talk about yeah. too. Um, but just going back to your drum making, I really like talking about this with. Um, guests on the show because it's really again that imprint of our birth and I'm really intrigued I just want to go back to the roses <laughs> in your birth um with like I could, do you ever get like the um the puns that come up in your mind like the smelling the roses puns or anything <laughs> like that like it's like he came out smelling the roses already it's I just I'm really loving this did you work with any of that or well, did that come when up we did, when we did make that drum so you could bathe obviously you have to soak the soak the skin before before the making of it the next day and so when when they said oh we've got one of the drums has got a bunch of rose quartz in it I was like that's my drum I'm putting it in there <laughs> And um, as I'm speaking to you, I'm literally holding and as um, right next to my desk, I have my big ro like rose quartz that I have just as a little grounding tool. But um, there's many, and this is the thing with our birth stories, is every time that you go through it, another little gem of wisdom comes through and it's like, oh, okay, and you work on that. Um, but I haven't, uh, you know, maybe that was my first little 
sweet love of nature is coming out and actually being, you know, welcome to the world with the sweet, sweet smell of roses. Mm -hmm. And um, as, as you were saying, you know, as we, as we are all unique, which is probably why I went in literally probably head first into the, in, and really going to almost the extreme of shaving my head is, you know, as my birth story shares that when I came out, I was just screaming in the way that my mother describes it quite literally. She said, you were like, here I am. <laughs> so nothing is done by halves really. Um, but no, I haven't explored the, the particular rose side of things more as a, rather than just, you know, having the rosy on the other side, as I mentioned before. Um, but when you were making your drum, did you do it? Because I'm sure maybe it was, I don't know, I'm just going to ask anyway. Did you do an inside-outside I did. Drum? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that then. Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I saw it on the video. Oh, that's, ooh, that's yeah. interesting. Yes, I did an inside-out yeah. drum and it looks like the moon to me as well. So it became my moon drum. Mm. It's almost like my womb drum. Um and the more I've played it, the more I'm actually feeling into it, the more I've actually, the, yeah, the more I've played it, the more I feel like this drum is evolving in its meaning to me and it's becoming more my drum for myself personally and I've got a, I've actually felt this uh, yearning, this, this feeling that I, I'm, meant to make another drum for my work in the world for other people because this is such a special drum for me this was really the birthing of myself and connecting in with um you know the deer and receiving the name of that deer and and that's what I call my drum now and literally my drum is right next to my bed when I sleep on my um side table kind of stand and every night because I live in a up in the northern rivers in New South Wales Australia uh, where I am the temperature can change you know from very hot and humid to a, a cooler kind of night it doesn't get too cold here in the winter but every day without fail my drum will talk to me by you know as it shifts and changes because the skin isn't you know isn't uh, treated it's still it's still raw it's still got that vibration it's still got that life in it so it'll go and kind of you know as it's stretching and pulling and and changing in the heat and so it feels like I'm having a conversation with my drum every day that's why I feel like that in making the drum inside out whilst I have played it for others in my in the evolution of my relationship with it I feel it's more so becoming my personal drum that I have a relationship with it you know whether it be through talking to me at night in the weather changes or just drumming for myself in my own ceremony and yeah, I've, I've got a vision to make another drum for when I hold space for other people, which, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see. You never know until you do it, really, until you until what feels good. But, yeah, Draco, my drum is, is the, the name of the deer, is my, is my drum. Um, it's really interesting, like, just reflecting on everything we've spoken about and a lot of what it has come up sort of theme is like working on that inner scape before we go out and all the work that you've done to really embody yourself before um going outward again and it's like the drum that you made and they you know it's known amongst some circles i guess that the inside outside drum is your vulnerabilities on the outside and it's that kind of you, you, yourself is turned inside mm. out 
Um, so it's really interesting that that came up for you and that really reflecting on the, the inside outside nature of the work that you do or the work that we all do is um, going within and coming <laughs> without so yeah just I don't know I can just see some maybe some little correlation there it's really interesting how that was inward for you that drum too and how that come up and exploring that so sounds really interesting I like that it's and you know I'll think about that for my own self too because not everything everything else it's that pattern you know it's that pattern of our life the way that we do mm-hmm. things and and I love that you brought that um going within and and f- focusing on that inner ecology before going out and looking outward to the outer ecology because that's so much of the work that I'm bringing into the earth body movement and my journey with the school of shamanic womancraft has been so informative through that um, for that through the wheel because if you can imagine the wheel and when i speak about that i mean um, that circle that circular pattern of all living beings on the planet like if it lives it cycles you look at the moon from the that new moon to the uh, waxing to the full to the waning the, the cycle of the sun the seasonal cycle our menstrual cycle our life cycle so that what I call the cycle of movement has actually informed my work because I, I layer on top of that and when I teach my women um, the women who I work with we actually use that as the model for embodiment and actually helping use dance and movement to both heal that inner ecology and the outer ecology and how that looks in my programs is that you know as as that childlike or that sunrise or that spring energy we use games and play and fun and community building exercises and team building and stretching and you know locomotive skills and all the things that Imagine if like a young, a young person is doing as, as, as you're discovering that you have this bodily self that can feel and sense and jump and play and stretch. And it also is really helpful, those states of games and playing, to support our nervous system. And it's like that, that first stage of birth, if you will, of how important it is to have that gentle birth as um, Jane as such an advocate for because it sets up our nervous system in a place that isn't in this flight or flight response it's not you know causing anxiety it's actually in this relaxed state of being this alpha state of being where as many indigenous cultures say that the spirit can move through us we're open and receptive and so from that spring energy let's say um, we follow that wheel up Um, And this is that time of the mother, the summer, the full moon. And we explore our body. We actually, what it means to, okay, now that we've discovered that we have this incredible body in our childlike movement, um, now we can actually focus on feeling. What do our feelings feel like? Um, And this is like through sensuality, through sexuality, through um, our relationship with our with all of those things with our with our creative life force through our dance and our movement through our relationship with our bodily self and so this is all about actually beginning to feel again and recognizing that we can feel that we can deeply listen and tune into the wisdom of our body and when we do that 
obviously, and as we, you know, in that in this process, we're now moving to that to that autumn phase, to that letting go, to the maga, to the um, disseminating moon. Of course, when we start feeling our bodies again, because we've become, you know, so desensitized in our culture, when we start to feel again, often we start to feel the stuff that needs to be healed come up, and that's where we use in in the in our in my programs we use movement and somatic ex- exercises um, and connection exercises and we, we use the support of the land to actually help release that or I wouldn't say release that we we harvest the wisdom of it and then we transmute it through our bodily wisdom which we've done for millennia you look you know all cultures across society have used embodiment practices in order to shift and transmute um, and not like we're, you know, it's very similar in that wisdom of the cycle. It's not like we're releasing it, get out of me type thing. We're harvesting the information that that's given us, just as we harvest the information that our, our greatest wounds have given us, the, the tools that they've helped us develop in order to heal it, then become our gift. So we do that and then um, we can we can transmute that before going down into now that we've practiced how to do that with ourselves, how to feel ourselves, how to actually release that stagnant energy or transmute that stagnant energy for our greatest healing, the my juicy part that I love of this work is this as we move down as this in between this kind of the last the last stages between our maga or that as we're moving into that dark moon, we can actually do that for the earth. And this is, this is the ultimate calling of the work, is that that whole process of feeling our body, we can actually feel the greater earth body. Now that we've resensitized our entire being, we can actually commune with the land through our feeling. The women in the Kimberleys who I work with, um, the Mirawong women, call this our binge. And binge is our feeling center. It's almost around our womb area. And they say, they said to me, they're like, why, how do people do what they do to their planet? Don't they feel that in their binge? And so that's just very telling for me that, wow, if people were really in touch with their feeling centre, with, with their feeling body, they were actually, you know, and, and they cleared out those channels by allowing, by giving permission and welcoming the transmutation of those emotions that often block our greatest capacity for clear communication because we're almost as if you're getting literally all clogged up with our own shit. (laughs) And so if we clear that channel through welcoming that and then was in this deep sensory um, awareness state of being, our feeling centre is so activated, we can actually feel the earth speaking through us and to us and with us and we can use those exact same tools to help release any negative energy, the pain of the earth, um, and participate in healing, um, just as we did with our own ecology. And so, and using that as our kind of prayer for the future and our visioning for the future as the seeds for the future, just as is in that winter, winter merging into the new spring, that rebirth. Or the, and the rebirth of the earth and the entire earth paradigm as we know it, as I like to think. So um, the, I know that was a really long explanation, but 
it's it's I just wanted to go over how important this that movement that cycle of movement that wheel that we cover in the school of shamanic womancraft has been so informative for um, how I've done how I've shaped my own work in the world by layering you know my personal uniqueness to it which is the dance and movement element and the and the element of healing the earth through that process. Yeah, and I'm really glad that you came back into the. Um, is it yeah. Benji? <laughs> yeah. So I'm really glad that you came back around to that because I mean, there's another hour for us <laughs> to talk about how we shut down that space, but um, I'm really glad that you highlighted that, and I'll leave that as that um, before we talk about your um, journey, which I'm really keen to just hear you speak about in the Kimberleys it's coming up in May and June um but yeah definitely like we are shutting down and not being receptive and that feeling center is again you know going back inward that's where all our wisdom is and that's where all uh everything is in our deep connection our deep ecology to that earth so Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for doing the work that you do. So much gratitude for hearing um, you speak of this and how important it is. And uh, can you tell us about the gathering, um, the Earth Body Women's Retreat in the Kimberleys and how you birthed that and what people could expect and details about it because it just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I basically designed a program which I just really wanted to go on, but um, no. And yeah. and I love what you shared about before is that you know we as a culture we are so we are so desensitized and we have really shut down our feeling center and it's so important for this work. Um, you know, just not in just what I do, but as a culture, if we if we're to see the changes that we want, we actually have to allow ourselves to feel, and that that isn't always pleasant, but it's necessary. And there also has to be, and this is a big part of even my journey, is that I hear a lot of women, oh, I I don't feel, I feel so numb, and you know that's a very common statement. I feel so numb, or I, I don't know what I feel, or whatever, and also having compassion for that because you know what we have never lived in a more stimulating world than than we do today our nervous system is constantly on alert there's you know emails coming like you know we may not have lions or or whatever that our you know nervous systems are built to detect in terms of the threat yeah, we've but we emails. got emails and so you know we've got this and we've got you know the constant flow of images coming to us throughout through social media or or the beeping of cars and and I'm so grateful for obviously all the modern technologies that we have and the things that they enable us to do but uh, don't feel guilty that your your whole feeling center is shut down because, like, how could it not be with the, with the kind of stimulus and, and intensity of the world that we live in today? But the the reason why I created this um, body of work is because it doesn't need to be like that. That's not the only option. There is an alternative, and that alternative is so in- so imperative for our survival as a species because the earth will go on without us it will look very different i imagine 
But if we are to survive as a species, we need to learn how to tap into that um, feeling centre again in order to, get to commune and connect with the natural world so we can work together again because everyone talks about, you know, working with nature and everything. But um, it's, it's a relationship. You can't work with somebody unless you actually understand who they are. And the earth doesn't communicate, you know, by email. <laughs> it, it communicates through feeling. Um, and this is what, you know, from my time spending with a lot of the elders, whether up in, in Mirawong country, up in the Kimberleys or through my practice of Waiapa, which is comes from the Gunai and Gundajamara lineage down in Victoria, Australia, is they all have an understanding of the importance of feeling and the importance of using that as our compass to how we engage with the world um, and how that informs our stewardship relations. Um, because when you feel the earth, there is no way that we could do what we do because we would feel it happening to us. It's almost like if somebody was injecting something or doing something to your own body, it's an extension of us. So I just wanted to chuck that in there. Um, and then the retreat, the retreat. Um, oh, I wish I could tell you the story of how all that came into being, but I won't. And I'll save that for the women who come. Uh, but yeah. it is, such a gift to be able to invite women to join our circle up in the Kimberleys. It's going to be up in Mirawong country, which is in Kununurra, and it's understood by the local people as the creation place. And when I say the creation place, I mean that in the literal sense, is that it was understood as the seed of human creation. And Miramar, which is a really sacred site, a very powerfully spirited landscape, as, as is a lot of the Kimberleys, particularly really strong feminine energy. We have permission to go up there um, and with the, be, with, be there with the elders um, and connect with some of these sacred sites and the deep feminine energy that resides within them as a way of connecting with that energy within ourselves you know it's again it's that connecting with the inner energy and seeing that on the outer and vice versa and so we you this the way I describe this retreat it's really a somatic immersion where there is space to connect with that authentic expression of the wild soul um, or that you know wild feminine um, but it's also a space to come and connect and share stories with and learn from and co-create with some of the elders of this continent uh, and that wisdom and connecting as women, understanding us, seeing our similarities um, as sisters of the same mother as opposed to our differences because that was a really big thing from the time that I've spent up there is that especially from being part of this this school, the school is recognising, you know what, like the we all have the capacity to connect with, you know, spirit and have a culture of connection. We just do it in different ways, but the the underlying philosophies can still be the same. So that's going to be up, up there for us. It's a seven-day um, to seven nights, eight days, camping accommodation along the Ord River, visiting some of the breathtaking um, landscapes of the Kimberleys, as you can imagine that land of fire and water with the red dirt and the amazing amazing cascading waterfalls and um so we'll be dancing a lot of those sites which is just um a gift and connecting in circle with um the Mirawong elders and 
um, potentially some of the desert women. But yeah, that's that's that journey. And I'm so excited to share that we've got a couple of people. I'm, I'm keeping the, the bookings quite limited just to make sure that the, the energy is really supported and everyone feels really held. And um, also it gives space for a lot of the elders to join us if they want to. Uh, and there's a bit more flexibility if we want to hang out and, and weave and, um, yeah, just be women together for, you know, rather than having to rush off and worry about the dynamics of a really big group. So, yeah putting the call out for women to to join us in that because it's just yeah I'm so grateful to be able to share that just share the share what I've received with the women um and also the the price of that helps to support those elders who out in Kananara um there's very limited opportunities for I suppose cultural employment as well and so the fact that there is women and, and also being a real really remote desert kind of community, it is it is a shame that, that racism still is quite rife in the communities in a lot of places, you know, in, as rural Australia is in many ways. And so to be able to um, have these women experience, you know, people from all over Australia come and visit them and say, I want to I want to learn from you um, and support them in that. Um, whether that be just through your time and energy, but also we, we offer a financial contribution to these women, it's, I don't know, it's just really affirming of how important they are and their knowledge is and why, you know, we should support the conservation of that through our sharing with each other. It's not about, you know, pedestalling or, or anything. It's about coming together and recognising that, you know, this wisdom of connection is so important and we all have something to share and, and why not sit, sit as women as we have always done and, you know, learn from each other in that process. And your website is the earthbodymovement.com? Yes, earthbodymovement.com and the retreat will be on there. Um, and those who can't make the retreat as well, I and th this was a really important, actually this was a big download that came from me from Dancing on the Earth and at the, I remember feel, um, experiencing it when I did and thinking, what? That doesn't, what? No. And it was to offer something online. And, you know, as a very earthy, grounded, you know, outdoors type person, I thought, no, I don't want to offer something online. But the message continued to come and continued to be affirmed by my guides. And uh, I realised that, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there, whether it be um, mums or people who might not have the financial means to be able to come to an experience like that or the time in their lives and so I created an online offering which follows the same flow and this, a lot of the same content as we cover in the retreat obviously the retreat covers a lot more um, group and and partner exercises where possible and you know plus you can't really beat the having that beautiful ochre and all the landscapes and everything I don't rubbed into your skin but it's as good as the as as good the experience as I can make it. Where you have all of that delivered to your home in a six week course. So we we cover that content over six weeks. Um, I'm thinking about actually shortening it even to a moon cycle, but we'll see how that flows depending on what I feel from my guides and my first journey of it. But yeah, I also offer that, which people can find on on the website. And I've only got one more spot available for. We start on the 13th of March is our first journey, mm. and 
Yeah, yeah, we've got women from all over the world. Some we've got two from the US, some from the Netherlands, some from Australia. And so it's going to be really beautiful to have um, women from all over the world join into that online journey as well. Mm, beautiful. So what I like to do before we finish up is uh, I like to just scoop out a bit of your wisdom. So uh, to all the women that are thinking about the calling to the school um, but not sure or things are coming up, um, what's a bit of advice or wisdom that you could reflect on to those women or to anyone that feels called, called mm. to anything? <laughs> well, to this, to the, particularly to the school, and I shared this during the closing gathering for me, and if I was to reflect in one sentence what the school has offered or what I've received from the school is that I feel like I got my power back and I wasn't even aware that I'd lost my power in the first place. <laughs> but to stand at the end of the journey feeling so proud of what I had gone through, feeling and as I said, you know, being a pioneer, I know I'm the first woman who woman in in my whole lineage, down my red thread, down my fe, um, female line, who has um, had the ability to um, even recognise, but also the support support networks and the tools to be able to say, you know what, this history of you know sexual abuse or or this history of the suppression of women in the family or this, this history of whatever it is um, or even just the lineage of that as a culture, that stops with me. And I actually have the power to do that for all of my generations ahead of me and whether they be my personal generations down my red thread in the future or whether they be all of the women in my life or all of the women in our culture moving forward. Like I have the power to change that by and all I have to do is actually be, be willing to be brave and to look at my own, to know thyself, to go, to go into those wounds, to you know, look at that inner ecology and through that process allow the outer ecology to also heal. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just how could you possibly want anything more out of your life to feel like you, you have your sovereignty, you have a choice of how you want to be in the world and both create the world for the future. Um, so, yeah, I think just having power back and all of those other things that I mentioned about that's very much related to not having to seek counsel outside of myself and feeling like I have the tools and the support networks that I need to, you know, help myself whenever anything comes up, um, to recognise old patterns and be like, oh, okay, do I want to choose to repeat this again or do I want to actually choose something that's really going to serve my healing and my greater good? That's power. That's really power. That's freaking magic actually. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I would. That's that's what I would say to anyone who is on the fence or considering joining is what greater what greater gift is there to feel like you're in power of your own life, your own existence and the creation of your future and and you know your own healing as well, your own being a sovereign being in that process. So yeah, that's what I've really received.
Mm, the journey never ends, right. does it? It's right. always open and yeah. evolving. It's, you know, it gets, it's, that, that concept is so multi-layered, like the power to birth my business, the power yeah. to everything. It's just power. Mm. Power. Yes. Yeah. Okay, it is. It is. It's worth dancing yes. about, trust me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> luckily, you're yeah. in that. Well, not luckily. Of course, you're in that field of life yeah. practice. Yeah. <laughs> so you can dance about it. <laughs> Thank you so much, beautiful sister woman. I absolutely loved spending this hour and 17 minutes and 50 (laughs) seconds with you. So much gratitude to you, so much gratitude and connection to the work that you're doing and I can't wait to share this. And so, yeah, biggest thank you. My hands are together and my hands on the heart and, yeah, loved it. Uh, As I said, I'm just so grateful to be able to give back to, to this community and, you know, I, I try to live my life based on reciprocity, um, which is something that I've learnt from my time and connection with the earth um, because I think as stewards that's really a fundamental principle of how we need to live our life, of what we, what we take, we give back. And so I'm really grateful to you for providing this opportunity for me to share my journey in the hope that, you know, Whoever needs to receive it, um, it can support their journey of healing, their, su- their support their journey in taking back their own power, whether that be through the school or however other way that they do it. So, yeah, thank you for creating this podcast and, and creating a platform for the women to share their stories. For more information on today's Inner Review with photos and how to connect head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.